Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. Today's guest on our podcast is Dr. Bob Berglund, the associate or the the associate professor, like we only have one. The genuine uh, article. The, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, an associate professor of mass media in the School of Communication and Mass Media. Welcome. Thank you. One of the things that we like to periodically, I, I like to start in different places on people's career journeys, but I always love to ask people what their very, very first paid job was. My very first paid like way job. back yet, like way back, like <laughs> teenager, very first paid job. So my unpaid jobs were working for my father on our family farm. And so it, it paid off in terms of him saving money, putting that money toward my college education. But my first regular paid job was detasseling corn, actually. All right. That was that was a lot of fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> and where'd you grow up, Bob? I grew up in Mendota, Illinois. It's about an hour and a half west of Chicago, town of about seven thousand people. So fairly similar to Maryville in a lot of ways. So on your family farm, what did you farm? Uh, so we lived in town during the school year. My dad was a high school teacher, and so weekends and summers we went up to our farm and. Um, mainly we rented out the the land in Saboat. We had a lot of maintenance. We did miles and miles of barbed wire fence in addition to a lot of other other work on the farm. And so then you thought you should move up the a level on the career ladder and then you went to detasseling. So how right. did how did that come about? You just you were already in kind of the the agriculture area. And so you just Yeah. So so one of the ag professors at our at the high school supervised detasseling corn crews during the summer. And so, yeah, for three thirty-five an hour, I was out there uh, going through those wet, wet cornfields in the five o'clock in the morning, and yeah, that was getting all scratchy. <laughs> getting all scratchy, you bet. So working hard at that first job, not a mm-hmm. not a cushy office job. I'm no, getting out there working. No, not at all. Yeah. So did you do that all through high school, or did no, you you, one, you one progress s- in your career pretty quickly there? Just one summer. We we'd worked on the farm most of the other summers, but this summer there was a about a month or six week gap, whatever the season is. My dad was willing to part with us for, for a few weeks. So, so we did that as our, again, our first real paid gig. So what other did, jobs did you do in high school? My job, my dad was, a, again, a teacher. He valued education very highly. So he said, your job is to get good grades. And so you will not have other jobs. Fortunately, I was able to parlay that into um, receiving a scholarship at, at Millican University, full tuition scholarship. And so it, it I, I, I came out ahead, I think, by not working and focusing on my grades and other, other schoolwork. This is always interesting to me as well. Did you know what you wanted to do when you went to college? So did you know what you wanted to study? And then how did you make that decision of which college you were going to go to? Well, as far as the school I went to, it was where the school that offered me the full tuition scholarship, I guess. So, so that made your decision making pretty simple. <laughs> that was a big part. Um, pretty compelling also, argument. Yeah. yeah. It was a it was a Millikan University. So Millikan with a K-I-N, not K-A-N, like our hall here. But it was a very, very good school in central Illinois, private school. And they had a good writing program. And they were also division three. And I wanted to continue running track and cross country um, as I did in high school. And so I could do that at the division three level. And so it was just a perfect 
place to be um, as far as knowing what I wanted to do. So I'd, I'd written for my high school newspaper and wanted to continue that work. And so again, Milliken had a good writing program. And so I continued on. And, and I, I realized at the time that I didn't think I wanted to be a journalist. I love journalism, but I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps of being a teacher. He said, don't, you don't want to teach at the high school level, teach at the college level. So so I was able to combine my, my loves of teaching and journalism, and it's been just a, a great ride. So you already, this is interesting to me. So you already kind of had that seed of teaching when you went in, like you had a subject area or a disciplinary, but you already kind of had, had that notion that you were going to teach. So when you were in college, so in undergrad, Knowing that if you were going to teach in college, you would have to keep pursuing your education. So how did you approach that as well? Well, I, I had taken a, an education class or two, even though, it, again, teaching college, it's ironically not, not required to, to get an education degree. But I, I taught a, a, it was like an internship teaching a composition class in college. And then when I went away for my master's at Purdue University, um, where I also got my PhD, it was a, we, we taught two classes. So it was part of the assistantship. I was, able, I was able to teach two classes per semester. And so it was really a combining of teaching and, and taking classes. And so then what was your master's program? So my master's program was actually in rhetoric and composition, as was my PhD program with a secondary area in professional communication. So throughout my time at Purdue, I also wrote for the college newspaper, the Purdue Exponent, and also taught journalism classes as well as composition classes. So, so I graduated with basically the experience I needed to be able to get out and, and thrive. And so I, I applied then after um, shortly before finishing my PhD, applied at Missouri Western and, and was hired there and taught there for 22 years. I think a lot of people, when you just say writing, they just think of like a blanket writing. They don't think about maybe the nuances of different types of writing, different styles of writing. Um, so what is the difference between, say, if I'm someone who wants to be a journalism major and maybe the composition and rhetoric side of, of things? There's obviously a lot of overlapping skills in general, the ability to write well, to understand grammar, to be able to proofread and edit. So there's, there's so many things that overlap but just some genre specific things. And as, as far as journalism, I think as much as anything, it's a passion, a passion for the truth and a, and a love for, for talking to people, maybe more so than in other writing gigs, you know, as a technical writer or, or a business writer, you're, you're not going to be maybe talking to, <laughs> to people every day. I think that's a key point though. So if I'm a student, you know, sometimes students come in and they want to do things that they're interested in, but knowing, you know, that, that journalism piece is kind of about, you kind of have to have a nose, a nose for a story, I guess you kind of have to kind of follow your kind of gut about, you know, who to talk to and, and where you're looking for. I, I guess I'm thinking of like investigative reporting. But I think that's a, a really good key point. If you're doing technical writing, it's not so much necessarily about those investigative skills. Um, those are two also very different like types of, of looking at mm -hmm. um, how, you, how you get to the writing process. Maybe not so much the writing process itself, but the, everything that supports that writing process. And part of it is, is you know, obviously it attracts different personalities. And as a teacher, you can only teach so much, <laughs> but so students have to have that inside, again, passion and, and desire for the field. And then I, for my part as a teacher, I think it's, it's nurturing that, encouraging that, helping develop um, those, those instincts. Yeah, we recently had Rachel Adamson, the 
the oh, editor in chief yeah. of the Missouri. And, and she mentioned that, you know, I, I asked, you know, have you always been interested in writing and always liked writing? And she was like, you know, I think a lot of student journalists don't think of themselves as writers. And that was surprising to me because that's, that's why I was always afraid of journalism because I'm not a super strong writer. Like I can write a 30 second radio ad, but you want me to write a whole story. <laughs> that's going to be tough. So I think, you know, the fact that you, you go in and wanted to teach, you went about it from the English rhetoric side. Mm-hmm. It's different than maybe a student who really likes the idea of interviewing people or chasing that story. And then the writing's just what they have to do at the end of it. So. Yeah. Those are two very different approaches to Absolutely, writing. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we think about it often. I, I never thought about it till I worked here, but writing uh, the skill of, of being a good writer is very important in our office because to be able to write a resume or to be able to uh, compose a cover letter or a personal statement, those actually take some pretty advanced rhetoric and composition skills. Uh, but I never actually thought about it till we got in uh, into the, the office. And, and then of course you see all kinds of cover letters and personal statements and, and we hire a lot of students and we see a lot of, um, documents, but those types of skills are very valuable in our office as well. So maybe uh, could you speak to <laughs> could you speak to the skill? So being able to write or compose or or to convince someone, like how can I, if I'm a student, how is that going to help me out in the wide world? Well, and and I've had the good fortune of teaching both business and technical writing. And so I, I taught resume and cover letter design. And, um, and so I actually worked in the Purdue Writing Lab. And, and so I've, I've looked at hundreds of, of resumes and cover letters. And I think the, the skill that is most important for, for students to have is to really to be able to get out of themselves. So I've, you know, obviously the grammar and punctuation and all that, those rules are, are critical because, as you know, those, those errors can immediately disqualify you. I mean, if you're this, this hugely important document that's that's you know going to determine your life. If you have proofreading errors in that document, that says everything about you as a person and potential employee. But I think, if, especially for for writing cover letters, I think and, and to resume design is really putting yourself in the position of of the reader of of the person that you're going to be applying to that for their company. And the more that you can consider their needs, their skills, the 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 type of business they are and tailor your resume or cover letter to fit that, the more persuasive that document is going to be. So I think as much as anything, if students should, should take that into mind. And, and it's, it's the same way in terms of journalism is, is really being able to, to teach. I teach newsworthiness as part of the, my intro class. And, and as much as anything, it's, it's helping to understand what is the reader really going to care about? What, what stories, what aspects of these various stories are going to be most interesting to them and to make sure to cover those things well. It's good to hear it from someone else's mouth. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. It's so to nice to hear, to hear a faculty member say the same things we say. So that's, <laughs> thank you. That's, that's wonderful. You can give me my $10 later. So I'm curious, you know, you went into college knowing that you, you wanted to teach when you started doing it at the graduate level, was it what you expected it to be? You know, I think that the image we have from movies and TV shows and literature about what a college professor is, is not what it is in real life. So was it what you expected it to be or was it different than you thought it would be? It was largely what I expected it to be. I mean, it was my first couple of years. I feel sorry for my students the first <laughs> the first couple of years um, because there is such an adjustment to, to, to teaching. And you know, there's so many, so many things that you learn tips and techniques and for the best sorts of assignments and, and all that, that takes time. And so I had a lot of guidance and 
my th those first few years as far as mentoring and and a, and, a, and a class actually that helped us learn how to teach composition for example um but yeah there was a lot of <laughs> i was i was not the teacher i was that i am now you know obviously starting out and, and to be honest with you, just even coming here to Northwest, I was teaching some some new classes, and it, it you know takes you a couple of years just teaching a new class to really again understand the the class, the purpose, the mission, what students need to get out of the class. Again, the types of assignments and class activities that work best. And so, uh, so yeah, there's there's there was an adjustment period, I guess, is what what I'm saying. I just like I said, feel sorry for all those students that have <laughs> been my guinea pigs as I as I progress as a teacher. What's your favorite part of teaching? Great question. Um, I think I think for me, it is seeing the students grow and develop. Um, and so that's why, you know, I love all my classes. And, you know, in the same way a parent loves all their children, you know, just in, in different ways and appreciating and loving those different and unique ways. One of the things I love about my intro class is, is just seeing these students who have never, most of whom have never published an article before, written a journalism article before. And by the end of the semester, being able to, to write a piece. Many of them have, have gotten their pieces published, for example, in the Missourian or their, their hometown paper. I have them write a feature story for the last assignment. And so seeing them go from nothing to writing published public or publishable pieces, you know, is really, is really rewarding. And so in the other classes, seeing them take their skills wherever they're at and, and taking them to the next level and really being ready at the end of those classes, for example, like my advanced reporting class or my video um, journalism class, seeing them now to the point where they're going to succeed in an, not only an internship, but they're ready to go out and, and do a job and that they can produce content that is equal to, to again, um, stories that might be published in, by the news press or by that are in, at KQ2 or whatever. And so seeing them, seeing that progress, I think really, Hannah, is the the most rewarding thing for me to, to see them grow in, in their in their field, their passion and their skills. In those, you mentioned the advanced classes. So, you know, Northwest, the journalism department, the Missourian, especially, you know, you have students who are nationally recognized for their pieces that they do. Is it difficult to, to critique those students in the advanced classes when, you know, they're the best student journalist in America and then you're giving them advice? Is that difficult sometimes? I can just imagine that that would be you know, as a student, you'd get a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, and it probably is hard to, to give advice sometimes to those students. There, there, there's always room for improvement. It's the same way Trevor Hudgens and, you know, Ryan Hawkins, um, you know, you, the, the coach doesn't just sit back and, and bask in their <laughs> brilliance, although after the game last night, maybe they, maybe he did more. Um, but I think, you know, there's, especially at the student level, there's always um, ways they can, they can improve um, and take them take them to the next level. And so, especially for those students, it's one thing to get an A, but I try and challenge them, you know, don't be content with that, with that A, even though they're a great journalist, this is, you know, to take on, to take on more challenging stories um, as well, I think is, is part of that. If I'm a student, I'm taking classes and maybe getting some things published. So what is the best way for me to develop a portfolio uh, you know, you can have a resume and you can have a cover letter, but honestly, I think as a, as a person who hires, some of the most convincing things have been those portfolio pieces, things that the student has done. How do you encourage students to approach that portfolio building piece? One of the great things about about journalism is, is that is such a 
such a PBL field. <laughs> it's such a such a profession-based learning. I mean, what they're doing here, you know, being student journalists or writing these sorts of pieces for a class, I mean, this translates. That's literally what you would be doing. I mean, you're doing the same thing you would be doing in a in a writing environment, right? Exactly. And so and so you're right. I mean, I hate to say this, but employers, especially in this field, do not look at GPAs. We're not that much anyway. It's usually not the determining factor. I mean, you're right. It is it is that portfolio that gets you hired because, you know, I don't care if you have a 3.94 GPA, if you don't have a portfolio of pieces that show that you can do the sort of, of, of reporting that, that we're doing at our publication or our other media outlet, um, I'm not going to hire you, <laughs> you know, the same way with really even a master's degree in some ways. It's, it's can you do this work in the trenches um, day in and day out and, and, and do the sort of exemplary work that we're looking for. And so, so really the, the bulk of those advanced classes are very much, um, very much portfolio based. In fact, you know, in my advanced reporting class, one of the first things I say on day one is everything you produce in here, every story must be submitted for publication. And, and there are, and while a couple of the pieces can be submitted to, for example, the Missourian um, or KNWT, there's also assignments that they have to submit outside of the university. And so, so getting those sorts of portfolio items especially distinguishes them. So for example, in my advanced reporting class, uh, just yesterday we introduced the magazine assignment and their, their task will be to write for a, a magazine, um, a professional magazine outside of this university and to write a pitch letter and submit um, their article for publication. And so, you know, some of them may not get published, but, but definitely there have been, I've had many students in the past get those pieces published, some at very nice magazines. And those sorts of pieces really help distinguish you, at least in this field, from, again, somebody who just wrote, that, writing for the Missourian and Tower Yearbook and, and working for, for KNWT and KZLX, hugely important. But having those other sorts of pieces, invest, especially investigative and magazine pieces that demonstrate advanced skills, you know, that can mean the difference between getting an interview or not getting an interview or getting hired and not getting hired. Speaking of getting hired, how did we steal you away from Missouri Western? I was afraid this question was going to be. Very important, I had to ask. Very important question. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, basically, I won't go into too much depth, but just to say that my my previous chair and, and dean wanted me to exert a pressure. I, I, was, I advised the student newspaper at Missouri Western and they wanted me to exert a level of control over the students that I felt, number one, violated my professional organization's code of ethics. It would have gone against everything in my teaching philosophy and also would have violated their, my students' First Amendment rights. And so um, there were numerous other things as well. But basically, it was an environment in which my, my immediate supervisors, you know, it was, it was not a, a comfortable environment. Um, it happened that, and, and my students had just published a great article about how Missouri Western was had, had deficit spent $11 million in the previous five years. And a, an article that, again, some of those in, in power would rather not have seen published, but it was a great investigative piece and um, obviously showed that, that things were not going well at Missouri Western. We were getting a new president. And so all of those factors together, when and, and just that summer then, a position opened up at Northwest here, that was a great fit for my interests and skills. And it's the same retirement system and all of that. And, you know, obviously within a commutable distance. And so it was like, 
the, the world is guiding me to, to, to follow this path. And so it was, you know, it's a little bit, I mean, again, I'd been there 22 years. I thought I was going to retire from there. I was comfortable, um, maybe too comfortable. You know, you get in your ruts. And, and so this was an opportunity to, it was kind of neat because I was, while nervous, it was also a, a chance for a fresh start, you know, here in the last, you know, maybe third of my career, the chance to, to be teaching some new classes and to, to be doing some different things. And so, so that was also very exciting. And so it was, it was painful because, you know, I had, I had, I had accumulated all this, this, you know, Travis and Hannah, the, this, this mass of Griffin attire. <laughs> so I, had, I had everything except, you know, I had, I was going to ask, like, what was the biggest challenge? But I feel like clothing was, might be a really big challenge. That, that was it. I, I had, you know, Griffin ties, um, shorts, t-shirts, sweatshirts, windbreakers. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I took it out in a pile and burned it. <laughs> Just gave, it gave it to my colleagues, all that, all that attire to my, to my colleagues and, and students. And uh, I went whole hog in. So I, you know, I still, still want Missouri Western to succeed. And when they're not playing Northwest, I root for them. I've gone, yeah, you can see I've, I've gone, I've gone whole hog in here. So I made a, one of my first stops is to the bookstore to, to stock up on my, on my green and white. And it was, it was really weird. The first, there was a Missouri Western um, Northwest football game um, shortly after I, I started my job here. And I was sitting next to a colleague who um, from Missouri Western. And so it was just really weird to be wearing the green and white next to my colleague and, in black and gold, but it was really the best part, I think, was all these bets that I had with Stephen Chappell, who was the <laughs> director of publications, all these games that I had lost, you know, lunch bets um, <laughs> that, I, that I had lost. Now I was able to to be on the winning side of, of one of those bets. And that was, that was kind of nice. <laughs> Losing a lunch bet to Steven is no joke. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a serious bet. <laughs> that is, yeah. I've lost serious cash <laughs> for those lunches. I think that, that, you know, the rivalry is, you know, we joke about it and it, it's real. There's no doubt about it. But I think really, you know, especially those of us who have been around the university for a while, we kind of realize we all succeed or we all sink. So, you know, don't wish ill will on, on Missouri Western, unless it's basketball or football season, then we might. But, <laughs> exactly. you know, overall university health, you know, we want them all, you know, we all kind of are in the same business. We're all trying to do the same thing. So their struggles a lot of times are our struggles too. So. I've no I've no animosity at all toward toward Missouri Western and again want them to succeed. Um, it, it turns out and, and that's why it's been really really heartbreaking to see their 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 financial struggles here this past year and I mean they lost a third of their faculty and you know it, it turned out that my position I would have been one of those one of those almost seventy people who were who were cut and so um, it was very fortuitous again that the that the position came open and that I um, had the wherewithal, I guess, to, to make that, that leap here. So, and I've, as you can imagine, I've had no, no regrets whatsoever. The, the faculty here have been great. The, you know, the university is great. The facilities in our program are, are really outstanding. And so I, I, I love it here. You did bring uh, the, the first amendment rights of the students in a newspaper field though. I mean, and that's a very, important piece I think can you talk about like you're you're training up a new generation of of journalists how do you mold them to speak on things that need to be spoken on to to search for the truth but then also knowing on the other hand that 
the things that you're doing can have serious repercussions for your career and for others. How do you handle that? Or as a teacher, I mean, I feel like that's really your job, right? Is to kind of impart your wisdom to the, to the students. How, how do you do that? Um, I think letting them know what is possible in, in, in part, I mean, it, and, and encouraging their courage in taking on these stories. Um, I still remember my first year at Missouri Western, there was a story in which basically the administration had been violating the law as far as how they were investing their funds and how they were um, securing a, a um, architect for a project. They were bypassing the, the bidding process for those. And my, I, I, I basically helped guide my students in, in writing that story. Um, they, they wrote the story. I just provided, you know, assistance and, and um, advice, mainly just advice along the way. And that was a story that as an untenured faculty member, you're, you're a little bit nervous about seeing when, when you're calling out your president and vice president who have to respond again to the, what the local media picked it up as well, as you can imagine. And um, to their credit, I didn't, I never got a call <laughs> saying anything, but I think um, one of the beauties too of being a state institution like, like Northwest, I almost said Missouri Western, is, um, is, is that again, because of the, sun, you know, the sunshine law, the Missouri open, open records law applies here. And so my students in, in the advanced reporting class are doing stories that, um, that I'm sure maybe the administration here is not especially happy, but, but showing them their, the tools, the, the databases, the sorts of documents that they can obtain, um, showing them examples of other, other stories that professionals or students have done and doing, and, and like I said, as much as anything, I think just encouraging that, that spirit and nurturing that quest for the, for the truth, even if that truth might not make everyone happy. I, you know, I, I, I show in my, like one of my first days, I give a quote from George Orwell, who says that um, is, uh, journalism is, is printing, printing things that people don't want to see. Everything else is public relations. And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a kind of a harsh way to think about it because most of the articles in, in the news press, the forum, the, the um, Northwest Missouri, and you know, our, our normal covering events and things like that. But, but without that journalism that keeps those in power accountable, um, you know, that is the purpose for, for the First Amendment for, for um, journalism in a democracy. Well, right now, I would think it's hard for students too, because it's journalism's not as well esteemed as it's been in the past. And, you know, yes. everybody shouts fake news at everything. And we've even seen with students at the Missourian that they sometimes get pushback from local citizens and groups and all of that. So I imagine that there are students that need that guidance and that reassurance that what you're doing is important and you need to keep doing it because it's, it is a vital part. And the Missourian is such a huge part of the community. I don't think the students who write for the Missourian understand how vital it is for not just Maryville, but really Northwest Missouri, that it is there and that it's doing the work it's doing. Like, you know, to them, it's a class or it's, you know, it's a way to build their portfolio, but it is, it's really important to the, you know, the vitality of the area too, to have a student newspaper that's doing those uncomfortable stories sometimes. And I, and I think, and the, because of all the cuts that have taken place in journalism and especially at newspapers as, as print revenue has been declining, you know, if you think of the Missourian, you know, there's 20 plus students while they're not full time students, you know, their staff is several times the size of the forum. Uh, and, and the same way with a lot of other college newspapers and other communities, um, they are they they have the resources because of the, <laughs> the cheaper free labor to produce 
the journalism again that that high quality journalism yeah Super it's high, high quality, quality. <laughs> yeah and especially that's the great part about the Missourian here is is that that again I don't think maybe the students in the community realize too not just to take the opposite approach from what you said uh, as far as the quality of of this publication which again was named named best in the state in in you know beating schools like Missouri Missouri University of Missouri Columbia which is of course a great journalism school and you know Missouri State and all Washington University and all these other universities so to be able to be to have that high quality here and especially you know under the guidance of Rachel and Andrew Wegley you know we've been kind of spoiled there there are there are Trevor Hudgens and and uh, Ryan Hawkins of of, jour- of journalism I think here at Northwest and and we've been really lucky to have have such high quality journalists here if you're giving tips, tricks, words of wisdom for someone who maybe it's spring, so we're going to have a fresh crop of graduates hopping out here in the next couple months, what words of advice do you have for those new grads? I think by the time they're grads, it's too late. <laughs> they should have already gotten all the advice that they can that they've gotten. Really, as much as anything, it's it's the the message needs to be sent to those freshmen and sophomores and and juniors is that especially in this competitive marketplace, you need to be doing everything possible to get yourself ready to, to get that first job. And so that means not just going to, to classes and getting your B's or C's and, and doing your required, you know, semester on, on publications, you know, it's, it's going beyond because there's, there's so many great opportunities here. I mean, our students, you should be getting, taking advantage of the opportunities that are the multiple media here. You should definitely be getting an internship, you know, in a field like, like journalism, you know, if you haven't gotten an internship at a, at a commercial paper, then, then you're really selling yourself short, you know, and, and it's all these other opportunities, for example, you know, we'll be hosting, um, so, well, we were going to be hosting the regional tournament, but for example, you know, if a, if a newspaper can't send uh, a reporter to one of the games, so for example, University of Nebraska, Kearney, if they can't, if they're having a conference game or, or just a regular basketball game here, they don't have the funds or staff to send a reporter for that commercial newspaper is, you know, write to them and say, hey, do you need a, a stringer? Do you need someone to, to write an article like that? So, so taking advantage of all the opportunities to get publications um, before, before you go out the door to, and, and to be doing the sorts of pieces that are going to distinguish you from other people. And so that means doing Again, more investigative pieces and and spending that extra time with that st- with that feature story to make it especially creative or colorful to make it really stand out in your portfolio. So, so really, d- just to get back to your point, Hannah, is 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 develop that portfolio that is going to really open doors. And, and in this field too, not only not only not just focusing on print, for example, but because um, reporters now are going to be expected to do multimedia work, is again spending a couple semesters, you know, at, at KNWT and doing re- video reporting and audio reporting and having a well-balanced um, portfolio makes you that much more valuable um, on the marketplace. And you also mentioned uh, something that we hammer and hammer away, but and we can't do it for them, but reaching out. So I think it's, it's so underappreciated how many students, if you take the initiative that little bit of initiative can reap a lot of, of, of big rewards for you as a student. So look for opportunities to, like you said, reach out. Hey, can we, can we write this for you? Can we, you know, what do you need X, Y, Z? If they don't have an internship, don't just be like, 
no internship, you know, say, reach out to them. Hey, I would love to be an intern. Here are a few of the things that I can do for you. Like, would there be an opportunity for me? Kind of make your own opportunity. Like there's a huge opening for, for any student or any, anybody who's willing to make those openings, I think, or investigate or reach out or ask. Yeah. Employers are really looking for those, those employees that, that are going to go above and beyond that are not going to just plug in, clock in from, from eight to five or nine to five. And so providing evidence of that, like I said, anything you can do to provide evidence that, hey, I went above and beyond um, is going to help illustrate that, hey, they might be this sort of employee for us as well. And so I'll, I, I'll, since I have taken numerous students on study abroad, I will make that pitch as well. <laughs> and so doing things, you know, taking advantage of those sorts of opportunities that, again, Northwest is is great at offering, again, helps distinguish you from those other potential employees. Yeah, I didn't take many journalism classes, but I remember one thing I remember a faculty member told me in one of the classes was that a hungry journalist is always employed and a bored journalist is not a journalist for long. So that, that's, that's great. It's, it's really is true. You got to chase the story sometimes and mm-hmm. find the stuff. So don't wait for it to come to you. I've been waiting for this question because I feel like you have a you have a you might have a different answer than other people since you have different experience. What does it mean to you to be a bearcat? That is a good question again and a tough one. I think one of the things that distinguished you know my drive up here today. My the nice thing is I get my forty five minutes to drive up here to to listen to podcasts, play music, listen to audiobooks, and 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 to think and plan for my classes as well. So this morning I, I thought about that question. And thought about what distinguishes, I think, Missouri Western maybe from from Northwest. And I think up here, I think there's more of a sense of community and and family. You know, I think and part of that is, you know, because we have a higher percentage of students living on campus or or within a mile, for example, of walking distance of of campus in the same way with the, the faculty as well. And so I think I think it is that that sense of community and willingness to help each other out that comes with part of being a, a closer knit community and family. And so that is what I am learning that being a Bearcat is all about and, and, and wearing green and white, of course. So you, you're helping students, you're helping them develop their portfolios, you know, investing in themselves to go out and then to get their journalism or a writing, technical writing uh, jobs. So as a faculty member though, how is the process Maybe if you're in education or if you want to be a college professor, maybe you want to teach journalism, you know, maybe you, you don't want to go out and write. Can you kind of explain maybe your own experiences of looking for a job, uh, especially since you've done it, you know, fairly recently for someone who's been teaching for so long and wh- maybe the differences in that versus, you know, as an undergrad, just going out and being a journalist, like kind of maybe explain that faculty uh, job search process a little bit. Sure. Well, the the resumes are a heck of a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> you put everything in there. Just put it all in. I, I think as far as faculty looking for jobs, it's it's a matter of I think again, really, it's the same principles just in applied to a different different document. So, so for example, when I was on the job market 22 years ago or 25 years ago, before coming here, really. Well, even in, in applying here to Northwest, it's really looking at is paying attention to the and tailoring your resume and cover letter to fit that job. So, for example, I, I took the time to, to look at the classes that the program offers that that I would um, might be interested in teaching, 
the ways that I could help and contribute to the department. And so making sure that that found its way into not only how I organized my, my resume, my CV, but especially in my cover letter and, and not just taking the I approach of I've done this, I've done this, but, but more translating into how these experiences can help enrich the department and help um, in the teaching of your students. And so I think really that, like I said, the same principles really apply there. And, and also too, again, assembling, <laughs> assembling a good portfolio. And, and one of the things that makes, I think, a good professor is in, in this field, I, I think, is, is continuing, continuing to work in the, in the field. So, for example, I've been very, when I started to teach the advanced reporting class, and which involved magazine writing, one of the things I've done the last five years here um, is, to, is to do magazine writing to make myself a better teacher. And so I've been, been writing for, you know, a couple, um, half a dozen or actually probably more like seven seven, eight, nine, ten magazines to help make me a better, it made me a better candidate when I applied here at Northwest. And so it's, it's doing the things either in the classroom or outside of the classroom, you know, again, like taking on study abroad here. I'm sure that was probably attractive on um, the fact that I'd led four study abroad groups um, at, at Western, I'm sure was also appealing to the faculty here and, and, and when they were considering hiring me. And so doing all the same, same thing, basically the same principles apply is, is show that you are, are willing to go above and beyond and that you are committed to, to being a good employee and a good teacher and, and working well with students. Being a good teammate. I, that's what I always say. Like we're, you know, remember that when you're applying for positions, they're, they're always kind of picking teams, right? Like the whole grade school, like, do I want to, do I want you on my team? Do I want you on my team? And I think really, as long as I always tell people like that hiring manager or that person, as long as you can communicate well with them and, and kind of show how, how good of a teammate you can be to that hiring manager, really that like, that's the whole, the whole key of all the, whatever documents you write or whatever portfolio items you, you know, have, you just trying to show them that you're a good team member. And it works the other way in an interview too, is that I think it's important for those interviewing to really to, to show how they, how they would be good colleagues as well. And that's, that was one of the things when I, when I interviewed here is that, you know, everyone was, was very welcoming and I could tell this would be a, a supportive environment and that, you know, it wasn't easy to leave Missouri Western, but, but the, the, again, the sense of community and family that I got here, again, being part of being a Bearcat, my definition of Bearcat, I think really came through here. And my, and my colleagues have all been, been so, so supportive and so helpful. And as I've navigated, stumbled my way through here these first couple of years, especially in the time of COVID. Yeah, that We're was a little bit of extra, yeah. extra complication in there. That is a good point though. And I, and I tell students, especially that as well, you know, you're going to an interview, but you have a responsibility to make sure that's the team you want to join because it might not be the team that you think it is on the outside. So, you know, do your due diligence and always have questions to ask the, the team that's interviewing you, you know, to make sure you, you know, they may give you a job offer, but maybe that's, maybe that's not the team you want to be on. You still have, you still have to accept the offer. So you still have some, some control there. So flat final open podium uh, to uh, give you some space to talk about what you want to talk about.
just again, I, I encourage students to take advantage of, of all the opportunities that are available here at Northwest. Again, that's one of the things that also brought me here that, that, really, that really drew me to, to, to make this jump is that there are so many great opportunities for students here at Northwest and for students to take that initiative and to be able to interact with their faculty in a closer way than a lot of universities to, to do the study abroad trips, to, to be on, in our case, the, the student media, the wealth of, of opportunities they have here with the student media. And so just, just that this is a great place and a great home for really developing yourself as a person and as a professional and not to take that for granted. And again, just just to do the minimum is is to jump in and take advantage of all those opportunities. That's a great way to end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We've enjoyed uh, visiting with you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.